So here we are again, another month, and we're talking about another mass shooting at an institute of learning. Nashville, a uh, a, a K through six private school. Monday afternoon, three children, two of them nine years old, one not quite nine years old, even younger, eight years old. Three adults in their 60s were gunned down by a 28-year-old female who um, allegedly had some kind of connection with the school, but uh, nothing has been clear yet. Um, I'm sure between now and... Um, my Friday podcast here of the Mike Parsons Project. Uh, a manifesto will be revealed. It'll be very uh, uh, very disturbing and probably not really something that a lot, of, a lot of us will want to hear, but we'll listen to it as if we're watching a car wreck and we can't look away. The image of frightened school children holding hands, being led out of a school by a teacher who's equally as frightened, who is not uh, trained or equipped for this, leading them to safety, is becoming all too familiar on the newscasts. And uh, I got to be honest, we're 20, almost 25 years into this, going back to Columbine, even a year earlier, the uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas shooting where a 13 and 11-year-old killed five people in their classroom. That happened a year before Columbine. And uh, look, I, I'm out of new things to say about this, like, like all of us. Um, all I can say is only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time until this falls out of the news cycle. And it's only a matter of time before it happens again. And of course, it's going to fall out of the news cycle. I mean, if you, um, you know, if the, if the national newscasts were to update every single mass shooting that happened recently, they wouldn't have enough time in the newscast to even color, cover all those new developments, let alone uh, get to, to any other news. But the national news, the national news cycle will move on, but, but the communities won't. The communities will continue to mourn. The local newscasts will continue to cover every new development. Um, just look at just look at Oxford. Just look at uh, Michigan State. I mean, I used to always say my my line used to be: statistics show that you're not going. Statistics show that it's very unlikely that you're going to die in a mass shooting, which is good news because no one's going to do anything about it. And I think I have to. I think I have to amend that saying. It's a great hot take, and it gets a lot of likes on on Facebook and social media. But uh, like Trey Gowdy said, Trey Gowdy, former um, super conservative congressman and prosecutor, now with Fox News, is coming out and saying we need to stop. We need to stop coming up with ideas and quit saying things that appeal to our base. And start looking for actual solutions. We'll, we'll we'll get we'll get to him in a little bit. But back to my canned hot take, which I, I think I need to amend a little bit here. You know, when it comes to mass shootings, there are plenty of victims that aren't killed or or aren't uh, injured by actual gunfire. You have the survivors, you you have the people who were in the vicinity 
um, who might not have been shot, but of course they were terrorized for um, in Nashville's uh, in Nashville's case, I believe that it was 14 minutes from the time they called police to when the police neutralized this 28-year-old uh, gun person. Michigan State, that thing went on for hours. The, so the people who were nowhere near the gunmen have still been victimized because their sense of safety has, has been ripped away. Of course, you got the loved ones in the community that have had their, their sense of safety ripped away. Uh, in the case of Michigan State, some cases twice. There were some people who survived Oxford and had to survive Michigan State. And, you know, talking about Michigan State, I mean, just about everyone in the state, at least just about everyone in the metro Detroit area, either went to Michigan State, they went, they, they, they have a loved one that went to Michigan State, or they've been on the campus. So these, these shootings have ripple effects that ripple, that, 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 Touch people have wide-ranging ripple effects. I guess is the word I'm trying to is the word I'm trying to find, and and those people are victims too. So for me to say that you statistics are statistics show that you're not going to be killed in a mass shooting, that's correct. But it's getting closer to home and it's getting more frequent. And just because you weren't shot with a physical bullet, there's a good chance you're going to be victimized by a mass shooting through, you know, three degrees of separation or whatnot. And and that's not really to... And and that sounds... As I said it out loud, that sounds very apocalyptic. It sounds very pessimistic. Now on to the second part of my saying when I said that uh, there's a good chance that there's a ch- statistically it's very unlikely that you're going to die in a mass shooting and it's a good thing because no one's doing anything about it. I think I, I think action is finally I, I think action is finally being made uh, taken so to speak. You know here in the state of Michigan after Oxford red flag laws um, and safe storage laws became a very hot topic. I remember uh, Oakland County Prosecutor Karen White in her press conference when she was um, when she was going to charge the parents of Ethan Crumbly, the high schooler who shot Oxford up and killed a number of students and injured an, a, a number of others. She was frustrated that the safe storage laws in the state of Michigan were woefully inadequate, I believe were her words, because she had less power to charge the parents who were very irresponsible with their firearms to the point of not only keeping them where he could get them, but to go as far as to say that one of their guns belonged to him. And I think... And I think these red flag laws, which is essentially that you can call law enforcement if you think somebody is a threat to themselves or others, 
they can get their guns taken away temporarily before they can be uh, and, and and not get them back until they're seen by a judge. And those red flag laws that Trey Gowdy was on Fox News stumping for are the type of laws meant to stop the exact shooting that happened in Nashville. So what do we know at this point about this 28-year-old um, female shooter who identifies as trans? And I'm only saying that to try to be accurate. I've, I've got no comment on whether <laughs> about what their gender identity what role it played in this shooting because I, I, I don't know and I don't really see one. But this 28-year-old female gun woman, she was receiving mental help. And her parents tried to get her to get rid of her guns. They, 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 they had her sell the one gun that they were aware of her having. Problem is, she went out and she bought seven more behind their back. And if the red flag laws were in place. Now, of course, there's 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 ways to skirt around it. But if the red flag laws were in place, she probably would have been stopped or questioned um, between the time she bought her first and seventh gun, especially since she was seeking treatment. Someone would have said, hey, why are you buying all these guns? Or maybe what would have happened is she might not have uh, sought treatment because she knew that she wouldn't have access to guns if she was if she was seeking mental health treatment. And that's kind of where we get into this whole argument about well since we can't completely get rid we we can't completely solve the problem we shouldn't do anything at all. Yeah, there are ways around these gun laws. But you know what? I don't think it's such a bad thing to put obstacles in people's way. If anything, if anything, at least you're trying. And if anything, it's hard to prove something that didn't happen. So we're never going to know how many shootings or murders that that these red flag safe storage and, and universal background check laws prevent. But also by the same token, if you put barriers in people's ways when they're trying to act irrationally and take out a whole bunch of people on, 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 the, on their way out because they're suicidal, they might think better of it. Or they might think that it's too much trouble. And maybe instead of, uh, instead of uh, stopping at a high school or a, an elementary school or a public place and trying to take out a bunch of people on their way to um, committing suicide by cop, maybe they'll think better of it and say, to hell with this. This is too much trouble. Or what am I doing? Just because I want to take myself out doesn't mean I need to take a whole bunch of people out. That's why I, I, I'm, I'm starting to think more and more that, that, that an assault weapons ban might be something w- worth looking into. Now, hold on. I'm not saying it should happen. Because I know all the arguments, right? There's that one argument that, uh, you know, the only thing that stops a good guy with a gun is... A, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, let me start that over. The only thing that start, stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, which is what happened in this case. Um, criminals are going to get their hands on guns, whether they're outlawed or not. Uh, probably, but, it, you know, if, if these semi-automatic weapons are outlawed by the U.S. government, 
Yeah. Okay. Your organized, uh, your organized crime members, or your gang members with connections, they might st- still be able to get their hands on federally outlawed uh, semi-automatic weapons. But your average abusive father won't be able to. Your average craphead who is. Uh, wants to take out a whole bunch of people in a blaze of carnage before taking themselves out, they won't be able to get access to it. And look, if your government, if, if your government's after you, it doesn't matter what kind of gut you have. They're they're gonna they're gonna get to you. So that argument doesn't hold much water. And, you know, going back to that craphead who wants to shoot up a school, yeah, they still could get their, their, their hands on a handgun or get their hands on a knife. And they can still do a lot of damage with those lower-powered non-automatic weapons, but they may not be able to do as much damage in a short amount of time. I don't know. Like I said, uh, I, wish I, I, I wish I had something more profound to say on this. But I don't. Um, and look, anytime something like this happens, there's a big uh, hue and cry out there to not say the name of the shooter because you don't want to give them the notoriety that they don't deserve. And for the most part, I, I agree with that. I-, I think that the shooter's name should be made public as a matter of public record. And you sh- they should only be looked into... Um, to kind of get a profile on them, kind of see what the similarities are between them and other mass shooters, so so that uh, you know you you can you you can see what warning signs are for people in hopes of stopping this in the future, or ways they got around the law, or things that may have been missed, so that we can try to make sure that. Of course, it's not. You, you can never say it's never going to happen again, but maybe cut down on the likelihood that it will happen in the future. Um, but I think it's uh, important to acknowledge the two hero police officers, and let me pull them up here because you know we spend a lot of time. I myself personally, and people in the media. Covering bad cops and criticizing cops who engage in police brutality. And, and we should, because when somebody with power abuses that power and hurts the folks they're supposed to serve and protect, well, our only recourse is, is uh, making it public and shining some sunlight and forcing them to be uh, reprimanded. But I think it's also just as important to point out and applaud the police officers who do exemplary work and who run towards danger when everyone runs away because uh, to save lives, because that's what their job is. And there's overwhelmingly more good police officers than bad. And they're all vastly underpaid. And I understand, I understand the 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 anger when you have uh, like a Tyree Nickel uh, type situation. 
because, um, you know, blatant, blatant abuses of power make the powerless feel even more powerless. And I understand the anger in the moment to defund the police and all of that. Um, but if you were to defund the police, you wouldn't have officers like Rex Engelbert or Michael Colazzo, who the body cam footage of them taking out the shooter was released. And, and it's incredible. I mean, these guys, these guys are superheroes. And to watch the body cam footage and watching these police officers all work together, split second, split second decisions having to have their head on a swivel, having to look around every corner and have, ha- have each other's backs and to neutralize this threat within, within 15 minutes, they're superheroes. Same thing with the uh, Oakland County Sheriff's Department back with Oxford. I mean, there's a lot made of the Uvalde Police Department, and there should have been. The Uvalde Police Department blew it, and their cowardice and or incompetence cost a lot of lives. Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo of the Nashville Police Department are the complete opposite. And I wish I had the names of the other uh, officers in that video, too. I mean, you, you can only train for something like this. You know, if you're lucky, this is something that never happens in the career of a, uh, of a police officer. And if it does, it's going to happen once or twice. And you have to rely on muscle memory and instinct to get this done. And, and the fact that they, that they took this gunwoman out 15 minutes saved countless lives. You hate to think um, how many other lives might have been lost that day if these guys weren't there and so on their game. So thank God they were.